0: This podcast is brought to you by the Gosh Learning Academy. Hello and welcome to NHS Careers Untapped. The NHS is one of the largest employers in the world. But most people, when they think of a job in the NHS, think of doctors and nurses. However, the NHS is so much more. There's a huge variety of jobs you can do, suiting all interests and personalities. In this podcast, we will be talking to people working in the NHS in jobs you might never have heard of before, finding out exactly what they do, how they came to be working in that job and what they love most about it. So thank you so much, Gus, for coming on the show and talking to me today. To start with, can you just start by telling me a bit about your job?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm a peer support worker for the NHS, which means that I use my lived experience of mental health issues to support people who are going through a mental health crisis or difficulty. And we use our lived experience. We use not only our stories of how we've sort of managed ourselves, but also the skills that we've, we've picked up along the way we implement those in a in a way that we can sort of help people to organize their own recovery and share stories it's by no means me spending time with someone telling them about myself all the time it's more just using that experience in an integrated way so that we can support people from a very authentic place and i think people really benefit from having conversations with somebody who they feel has been through a difficult time and maybe has a more of an understanding of the difficulties they're going through.
0: Yeah, definitely. You can really kind of empathize because you've potentially faced some of those challenges too. That sounds really interesting. And can I ask, where do you do this? Do you work in a hospital? Are you based in the community?
1: So for two years, I was working for the crisis team, which is based in a mental health center, which is somewhere where there's inpatient wards but also offices, meeting rooms. So I wasn't in the wards, I was in an office with a team. And part of our role within that team was to be involved in the conversations that they were having about patients. So we could offer a perspective as a, a service user myself in the conversation and coming from a very sort of empathetic place where the clinicians weren't necessarily coming from. They would be potentially quite focused on medication, and fixing problems. And then our role was to kind of reflect back onto the organization and say, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Perhaps this person is going through this. So day to day, we would be involved with meetings and having those conversations, as well as meeting clients out in the community or at the house or even back at the office, depending on how they feel. So it's quite a varied role. You spend quite a lot of time moving around and visiting people, but you have a sense of support from a team. So if anything goes wrong or you have any questions, there's managers or clinicians back on the team that you can be in conversation with. So you don't feel alone with the responsibility of looking after people. It's much more of a sort of team approach.
0: Right. Okay. So you kind of have the best of both worlds because you have that kind of focus of the team at the clinic or the hospital but also can still get out into the community and see people at their homes, which I imagine can be quite important for kind of understanding where that person's coming from, seeing them in their own setting.
1: Definitely. And to bear in mind that a lot of people don't really go out very much, if at all. Some people are very isolated. I think the people that we work with generally don't have a lot of support, so they might be finding it difficult to leave the house, engage with any kind of activities that are going on, And that can be our role to try and give them a bit of confidence and whether that means going along to something with them or maybe just identifying what these things are and trying to encourage them to do it for themselves.
0: Yeah, definitely. How long have you worked in this area for?
1: So I did some volunteer work for a a charity organization called Mind for about six months. And I was also volunteering for the NHS. During the pandemic. And then, as lockdown eased, I I managed to get this job, which was a full time role. And I worked there for two years. And then, more recently, I got a promotion into a slightly more senior role. So, there is career progression in this role. And now I I sort of supervise a couple of peer support workers, as well as have a small caseload of my own. Also, I, I take on a lot of responsibility for championing the role networking with other services. There's just more responsibilities than just seeing the clients day to day, which is also very rewarding. It's nice to feel that I'm part of a community, part of the neighborhood and part of the conversation in trying to put on activities for people and make people aware of stuff that's going on on lots of fronts.
0: So you mentioned that you got this role after volunteering for MIND and then within the NHS during the pandemic. So the role as peer support worker, when you applied for that job, was any particular training needed? Did you have to go and get any qualifications or was that a requirement for the job or no?
1: I think the thing that got me the job first and foremost was my extensive kind of mental health lived experience in the borough. So I knew the team as a patient and I'd had experience on the wards and I knew I'd used services in the community. So that really helped me to give them a sense that I I sort of understood what it was like to grow up in this area and and have those experiences. I was also training to be a counselor, quite early stages of counseling skills, which was really useful. So we were learning about active listening and showing empathy and a bit of theory around how to hold space for people in a safe way so that that really helped whether it got me the job or not it really helped me to feel like when i was one-on-one with somebody i was comfortable to sit with them and help them in a confident way which i probably wouldn't have been had i not had some training and then when we start the course there's a lot of nhs mandatory training that you have to do around safeguarding and loads of different topics and then on top of that, we were given an eight week course in peer support work, which helped us to really understand the role a bit further and what our responsibilities were as a peer support worker. And a lot of that is around values that we, we hold and how we should approach certain scenarios.
0: Yeah, okay. And then thinking a bit more about kind of your colleagues and other peer support workers, What's their background? Is it similar to yours or do they have qualifications in counselling or what other routes are there potentially into this, into this role?
1: I think a lot of people have done some work in the voluntary sector first. And when you go into the voluntary sector, often you do get some training. It might only be a couple of days, but it does help you to understand the kind of legalities and, and expectations of working in the healthcare sector. I think a lot of people do do stuff like counseling because some sessions can very much feel like a counseling session. It can be quite practical and then if it is, it, it really helps to kind of have a good understanding of what's going on in your local area. And you can just find that out by keeping an eye open, reading local newspapers, looking at notice boards, looking on social media. So that can be really helpful. And then a lot of my colleagues have Various experiences of mental health challenges. And some people's are a bit more extreme and some people's are quite gentle. And it might just be, you know, experiences of anxiety and depression, or it might be that they have family members who have mental health issues and that gives them quite a lot of lived experience. So that's definitely a part of it. And I think any training that you do is going to be helpful because we can bring lived experience in very, many ways. I use my experience of being a father, of being somebody who was self-employed for a few years and just growing up and going to school and having jobs and all of those things just add a kind of richness to your character that you can use when you're supporting people.
0: Yeah definitely so actually for this role it's more about your experiences that are important and what you've what you've dealt with and the challenges that you faced in overcoming them rather than having kind of a degree or a kind of formal qualification?
1: I think so. I think so. I think a lot of people get into mental health, they might do a psychology degree and become a clinical psychologist or go down the route of being a nurse or a social worker. And I don't know any peer support workers that have that kind of extensive training. It is very much more of a focus on us as a person and our ability to build a relationship with somebody than to have lots and lots of knowledge that's just not really expected of us and needed because there's other people for those disciplines that bring that knowledge. Ours is a much more relational relationship.
0: So moving on a bit now, can you just describe what a typical day looks like for you in your job?
1: So at the moment, I'm in a slightly more senior role, so I have less client contact. When I was a peer support worker for the crisis team, I would get up in the morning and and get there early because the team started early and we'd have a meeting at 8 a.m. During that meeting, we would discuss everybody on the caseload. That was my opportunity to contribute to the conversation if I had anything to add and also to identify people that might be suitable for me to work with. So they would spend a couple of weeks with the crisis team once they were discharged from the crisis team Somebody like myself would step in. So I'd try and see two or three people in a day. And then the expectation would be that after a visit, you would come back to the office and write your notes. So you would keep an overview of the conversation whilst kind of respecting people's privacy and not going into too much of their personal details. It's quite important to keep people safe and to keep yourself safe and accountable that you record what was said and what's going on and what the plan is. And so if things do deteriorate for that person, then members of the team will be able to access their notes and that will help them when they're sort of formulating a plan for that person. And that's the main responsibilities, really. I, I was also involved in care plan meetings, which is basically an opportunity to go into the caseload in greater depth. So we would talk about all the patients on the caseload And we would often present people to the team ourselves. And again, that's an opportunity to identify people that would be really appropriate for peer support and would really benefit. My responsibilities in my new role are very similar, but I just spend a bit more time networking with services, going along to events, having meetings with other peer support workers or other supervisors to try and help to improve the service and to have a think about what we're doing and what we could do better. And there's a bit more, maybe a bit more paperwork involved and less client contact.
0: Can I just ask, what do you like most about your job? And on the flip side, what do you find most challenging?
1: For me, I really get quite a thrill out of working with clients one-to-one. It doesn't always go to plan. But when you have a session where you feel like you've really connected with someone and they've really benefited from your being there, that's an amazing feeling. And I often leave sessions feeling very fulfilled and sort of excited about what I'm doing and future opportunities to just kind of support people and get. They're just so grateful for for that. I think the the difficult thing can be maybe maintaining your own mental health so the job can be very challenging you might work with people that leave you feeling very drained particularly if they're really unwell and and sort of hitting a bit of a dead end you can feel like you're hitting a bit of a dead end yourself and that you're running out of ideas and that can be quite disheartening sometimes so it's important to implement lots of self-care whether that be sort of exercising seeing friends going for walks whatever it is you need to do to kind of keep feeling sort of positive and optimistic at work is really important. And I really enjoy being part of a team. I really enjoy the structure that the role brings. I'm sort of there eight till four or nine till five. It's very flexible, the working conditions. And there's a lot of security in working for something like the NHS organization. You get pension plans, holiday pay, sick pay, which is something... That really helps me to relax into the role, knowing that those things are kind of taken care of in the background. And you can just really focus on learning, growing as a person, and then using that to help support other people.
0: Yeah, definitely. I can see that. In terms of kind of your personal learning, what personal qualities or skills do you think are needed for your job?
1: I think patience, the ability to listen to people without jumping in. And taking over just to really empower people to do things for themselves rather than doing things for them, because that's not a very sustainable way for people to look after themselves. So you have to sort of have a, a real strong sense of belief in other people's ability to turn things around for themselves. And you're not there to fix things or to give advice. You're very much there just to offer support. It's it's also beneficial to To be quite an optimistic positive person i think because when you're turning up to people's homes and meeting up with them you want to go in there with a, a sort of sense of fostering hope in them and the best way to do that i feel is to come from the perspective that things are possible recovery is possible and you can sort of embody that by by sharing your own experiences but it's really important that you share your experiences only when it's appropriate. You're not there to talk about yourself all the time. And sometimes you you rarely talk about yourself at all. And I think it's very important to know that, that you have to to hold that back and be very considered about what you're sharing and when you're doing that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Because ultimately it's about, it's about them and not you. Indeed. Is there anything that you wish that other people knew about your job or any kind of common misconceptions that you've you faced when you've told people about your job?
1: I think some people don't know the job exists, so it would be good to have that exposure so that people know that there are opportunities for them to get a really fulfilling job and to use their experiences that may have been quite negative to put a twist on it and, and, and turn it into a positive. I think one thing is that people think they're not going to be listened to by other clinicians So we have a lot of meetings and people worry that their voice isn't respected, relevant, wanted. And I just haven't found that experience at all. I've I've found that by contributing to discussions, people become more respectful and really value our input. So I want people to understand that it can be quite scary to talk in front of a group or it can be quite scary to offer your own opinions when, when there's a conversation going on where it feels like sometimes you're not welcome. But actually, I think people have to believe in themselves and believe in what they have to say because it is really relevant. And the more you speak and contribute, the more people listen, I think. So just to go into the role, feeling like you are important and what you have to say is important.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Is there any other advice that you would have for students or young people who might be thinking about a career as a peer support worker or a career in that area?
1: I think maybe the role is something that you don't jump into straight after school. It's something that you build up to. One way of doing that is to volunteer at places or get involved in community projects and services that are going on in your area. And just to realize that if you are going through difficulties now, all of that is good stuff to, although you don't put it on your CV, it does build up your character and it's an opportunity to just grow as a person and you can use all of that in your role and put a positive spin on what can often be quite challenging, difficult experiences.
0: Yeah, great. I think that's really excellent advice. So thank you so much for coming in and chatting to me today, Gus. It's been really interesting for me to hear about your career and about a role that I just didn't really know existed. So I guess it just goes to show how many of these roles there are out there that you need to find out about.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. No, I didn't know it existed either. I just found it on a job website and was very grateful that that it did exist. Mm. And there are more and more opportunities out there. I think it's something that the NHS are investing in. They really believe on having patients on the team. They think it offers a different perspective on things. And so there's various places you can apply for these roles, whether it be through GP's practices with crisis teams like I've done or more community-based projects. There's opportunities with services that deal with alcohol and drug issues or homelessness. So there's quite specific things you can get involved with.
0: Yeah, so people should really just investigate and research and find out more because hopefully there will be something out there that's really suited to them. Definitely. Thank you for listening to NHS Careers Untapped. To find out more about different career opportunities within the NHS, please check out our other podcasts, available for streaming or download on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and YouTube. You can also find out about other events happening as part of the Careers Untapped project by registering on the Great Ormond Street Digital Education Network at the link provided in the episode description and searching NHS Careers Untapped. You can also find links to a couple of other great websites to check out, including healthcarecareers.nhs.uk and skillsforhealth.org.uk. This podcast was brought to you by the GOSH Learning Academy. If you want to find out more about our work, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.